Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Rejoice in the Lord as Elder Mays Warren Jr. shares a powerful and anointed word from God that will transform your life. Listen and partake of the word that God has given Elder Warren just for you. Acts, the second chapter. Acts, the second chapter. Man, hopefully I won't bother you with this, but just take that right hand and wave it for his grace. Thank you for your grace tonight, God. Acts, the second chapter, beginning at verse number one. Laina, you blessed me so much. Laina is one of my MySpace friends, and I went to my events, and uh, some of my comments for the event, she says, if you want to catch me, you can catch me at the revival at Spirit and Truth on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday proud to be a member. I thank God that did me so much good when I saw that. Acts the second chapter, starting at verse number one, and we're going to end reading at verse 13. When you have it, please say amen. It reads like this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3 says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and sat on each of them. It goes on to say, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5 says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occur occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. Verse 7 says, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how it is that we hear even in our own language in which we were born. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Syrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Watch this. It says Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongue. The wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said, they are full of new wine. <laughs> God bless your pastor. Pastor and his daughters back there. Amen. Just for a moment, we want to talk from the subject, when the match strikes. When the match strikes, look at your neighbor and say, when the match strikes, when the match strikes, you know, Saturday before the revival, I had a very, very unusual dream. Normally when, normally when I have dreams that, that would be like this, if it was just something that was in my subconscious or from a movie that I was watching. I would wake up in a cold sweat. 
But this particular night, I had a dream that my neighbor started a fire in his house from striking a match. And as I was able to see, but yet being on the second floor of my home, I was able to see as homes were burning down all throughout the neighborhood, ending up at my home burning. Now, most of us, if we had a dream like that, and normally if I was to have a dream like that, I would wake up in a cold sweat, probably wake up swinging. Some of us probably would have fall, fallen out of our bed by then. But I woke up very, very calm. And I knew that God was trying to tell me something. And I couldn't really put it right then and there. But as I laid on my back in my bed, the start of that terrible fire came to my face. And it showed this Asian man striking a match. And as this Asian man would strike the match, all I knew was that I saw his hand striking it. Didn't see his face. The only reason why I know he's Asian because I saw the house. And I know there's Asian couple that live there. But as he struck the match, he laid it on the carpet, Joe, and he walked away from it. And as his house burned, the next one burned. And I said, God, number one, you've never given me a sermon like this. There's times where I would see a sermon on a billboard. I would see a sermon watching TV. I would feel a sermon through my life's experience. But I'm sorry, I'm not that deep. This is the first sermon he gave me through a dream. And he said to me, son, I want you to talk about when the match strikes. I said, God, it's not fair because you didn't give me a text. You didn't give me a story. He said, Open up the word, and I'll take you there. Now, as I opened up this particular chapter and verse, the first thing that stands out to me is on the day of Pentecost. Let me describe Pentecost to you just for a second. If you have pen and paper, you need to write this. Pentecost was an annual Jewish festival, also known, as the Feast of Weeks, or the Day of First Fruits, celebrating the first buds of the harvest. Say that again. Pentecost was an annual Jewish festival, also known as the Feast of Weeks, or the Day of First Fruits, celebrating the first buds of the harvest. That time, the men of Jerusalem were required by law to go to the city of Jerusalem, no matter where they were, they were to come back to the city of, the, of Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate all major feasts. They were required. First feast they would come back to celebrate was the Passover in the spring. The second feast they would come back to celebrate was Pentecost. That word in the Greek, Pentecostos, means 50. It was seven weeks and one day after the Passover and 10 days after the ascension. Tabernacles at the end of the harvest in the fall. So you had Passover, somebody say Passover. You had Pentecost, say Pentecost. And you had tabernacles. Pentecost was a major event in that time because it represented 
a time of harvest. It represented a time of first buds. So Jesus chose the day of Pentecost. Now, don't get it mistaken. Pentecost had already been happening before Jesus chose the day to move. Pentecost was a day that was established by Jewish culture. So Jesus said, what better day to start a new movement than on a day that represented a new beginning? Watch this. Those who were converted to Christianity on Pentecost, somebody say Pentecost, were the first fruits of a vast harvest of the millions of souls to come. The only reason that you're saved today is because of Pentecost. The only reason why we have the Holy Ghost on the earth today was because of Pentecost. The only reason why churches have some degree of success and preachers have any, any knowledge of how to preach the word was because of Pentecost. And so it is today. And I'm not ashamed to say that I'm a prophet of the Lord. So it is today as a prophet of God that this revival and the people at this revival symbolizes the first fruit of the thousands of souls that will be saved and empowered in this city for the name of Jesus Christ. Now I know saying that you'll get a car will make you shout. But I am so glad that he's designed St. Mark Missionary Baptist Church to be leased and used by Spirit and Truth Family Worship Center to be a modern day upper room. To be the first fruit of New Orleanians to say we will be the first bud of the thousands that will be converted for Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to strike the match? Are you willing to set the fire? Are you willing to burn for him instead of burning hell? Are you willing to be different in perilous times? Are you willing to stand for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to strike the match and be the first fruit of a new breed of people that will take this city back for the Lord? And I know it's not popular. We've been so accustomed to having our wonderful churches and our, our wonderful church services and our wonderful churches. But I'm so glad that God did not give us a wonderful, beautiful, mega church to start at because some of us would have got the big head. And I believe that God has started us where we are today and he's put a hunger on the inside of us. So then I ask you a question tonight. Are you willing to strike the match? Ask your neighbor, are you willing to strike the match? Most fires that happen in America and throughout the world, is, it started from something that sparked a flame. And most of the times when the flame has been sparked, if it gets out of control, the building is destroyed. And God is saying, so it is today. 
He wants spirit and truth to start an uncontrollable fight. That when it hits the drug corners, it'll destroy every crack house. When it hits the prostitute, it'll destroy her desire to sell her body for money. When it hits sin, it'll destroy sin in its tracks. And when it hits our home, it will destroy every demonic, oppressed, and possessed spirit that can destroy our lives. Are you willing to strike the match? And God is saying when that match strikes, an uncontrollable fire will hit our streets. And I am not happy by having a full church as long as I'm still seeing our city being corrupted with crime, drugs, and bad politicians. We got preachers go in their homes and drive their cars and happy because they got a full church. That don't excite me. It excites me when my church is not just full, but when my church is full of the Holy Ghost and they can go out and win this world for the kingdom. Are you going to be that fire that will ignite and revolutionize this great city we call New Orleans? There was a time there was a man by the name of Martin Luther King. We are living in his dream right now. If God would have gave Martin Luther King that dream and he would have said, how can a little old black boy like me give all these black people hope to live past what they're dealing with? Segregation and oppression. I'm reminded of stories that I would see as some of you lived in that time when Martin Luther King would hold the hands of the other leaders of the civil rights movement. And they would walk in the streets being bum-rushed with dogs and hoses and beaten and put in jail, sitting at stools and restaurants and saying, I'm not going to fight you back because I realize I'm not fighting against you. I'm fighting against a principality. So Martin Luther King sat at that table. And because of that, we're here today because his dream kept going. There was another man by the name of Malcolm X who had a similar dream. But his dream was not the way God wanted it. So that's why there's not a Malcolm X day. But when people stand for God to revolutionize an era, God honors the heart of a sincere person that want to change. I'm sorry, but I'm not talking about the change that Barack Obama wants. I'm talking about the change. Anybody love their city? Anybody offended when people say, I'm not coming back there because there's no hope there? That offends me. You're going to tell me, dang, they got hope here. They got hope here. I'm not coming back because it's just a dirty city. Well, as the people of the Most High God that have been birthed in this city, not only should it insult us, but it should ignite a fire on the inside of us to say, you know what, I'm going to get some spiritual brooms, I'm going to get some spiritual cleansing material, and I'm going to make all those people that talk down on this city remember that it was me that says you better not give up on New Orleans because there's an anointing on this city, there's a call on this city to survive. And I don't know about you, 
if I have to die doing it, I will win this city. I could be very comfortable in just preaching a good sermon. God has anointed me. I can just preach every Sunday and Wednesday and go home. But I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing I know people that's cursed outside of the four walls. Knowing that when I pass up people, go into my home. Anytime you have great neighborhoods, I live in a good neighborhood, and three blocks around the corner is a drug-infested neighborhood. Are you going to be that fire? So when we look in this text, Acts 2, we see two things. We see the prescription for the fire, and we see the power of the fire. Let's do with the first one. Somebody said the prescription of the fire. Verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, somebody said they were in one place on one accord. And this is what we need to have to ignite the fire. You had one day, let the church say one day. You had one people and you had one accord. I think that's the problem. In this text, you see that there was one day, one people on one accord. And let me tell you something. In this season, God is calling for people with one agenda in mind. Why are you building your big sanctuaries? Why are you building your own personal lives? Why are you doing what you want to do for yourself? You need to have one agenda in mind. And that's to win a dying world for Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. And you know what? I will not live a life in poverty. And I will not be a part of the recession. But Jesus didn't come for me to be rich first. Don't you get it twisted. Jesus came to save that which was lost. If, if the whole primary purpose of coming to church or, or Jesus coming was to build fabulous buildings, he would have came in a fabulous way. Jesus came very meek because his objective was to win a dying world for him. And that's the agenda. 1 Corinthians 2, 1, 1 and 2 says this. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Paul says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Preachers and all y'all saints and sanctified holy rollers, keep all that other stuff in your pocketbook. When you get up in the pulpit, keep all that five-step stuff and six-step, because that's what I told y'all last week, that when everything else falls, the only thing that will still stick is Jesus Christ. And that will be the only name that will win this city. I can promise you, you can bring in another mayor, you can bring in another chief, you can bring in more police officers. That will not win this city. But when there are a people of God that will cry out for the name Jesus and the blood of Jesus to be pled upon corners. When you go out, stop fussing at that dope dealer. 
Walk on the corner and say, I plead the blood on this corner. And there will be something that happens on that corner. His sales will go down. He will change professions because his money won't come like it used to come. He will have a burning desire and come to realize, I should not be on this corner and wonder where is this coming from. Well, it was from that old crazy lady from Spirit and Truth that they were making fun of walking on that corner, pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to go to the barroom and just order a drink of water? And while you're sitting at that barroom stool, saying, I plead the blood. Are you willing to walk through the French Quarter? And ain't nothing wrong with going in those restaurants. But are you willing to pass by the strip clubs and touch the door? I plead the blood. Get these girls some good jobs, some education. Let them know they don't have to sell out like that. And let me, let me tell you something, baby. The reason why God ain't coming to do what he need to do is because we're not doing what we need to do. 1 Corinthians 3, 10, and 11 says, According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder. Check this out. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid which is on Jesus Christ. So whenever you do something, Jesus Christ. And most of what we see, and you'll see in this text, why this is the most, if not the most powerful story in the Bible. Because it fashioned and shaped the body of Christ to be able to proclaim a dying Savior. Watch this. And it's not just about proclaiming it, but it's about convincing the people. So they proclaimed him, and then they convinced him too. And God is calling for people that are hungry for souls. Yes, he is. I'm going to say it again. He's calling for people that are starving for souls. That, might, that bothers me when, 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 when we can be starving for everything else but for souls. You will not find no way in the Bible when heaven rejoices pretty much other than when somebody gets saved. That's biblical. Heaven don't rejoice because you got a new car. Heaven don't rejoice because you got married. Heaven don't rejoice because you had a baby. Yes, God is happy with that. But the rejoicing of heaven comes when somebody accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, 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 and the problem tonight that we're having is, even in church, we come here, we're saved, but we're hungry for our wants. We want, we need, we got to have. Spin around seven times, jump up five times, touch your head, touch your heart, touch your pocketbook, lift up your purse. And guess what? We get more excited about that than talking to the four corners of the earth and telling the souls to get back in the kingdom of God. Looking to the north and looking to the south, the east and the west and commanding the souls to come back to the kingdom of God. Where is the fire that needs to be started? When the match strikes... And the only way you can start a fire is if you can't sleep at night as long as you got unsaved loved ones. Man, I can't go to sleep if, man, I, I couldn't, my, all, my, my mom is blessed to have all her children saved. But if one of my siblings wasn't saved, I couldn't sleep with that. I couldn't live with that. That's why I tell them, I call my mama every service. I'm like, mama, who come in church today? What family member you got coming? Because she know who need to get here. My mama get them here. And I got some aunts that need Jesus, and I always call her, is she coming this Sunday? Because I don't rest until they get saved. 
And that's how we need to be. That's how we need to be. I'm at the barbershop. I get in guy's face. I said, man, I'm not happy about the way you are. I don't like the way you are. And he was like, what you mean? You don't I said, I'm not saying that. I said, but I'm burdened in my spirit that you're not living life like you should be living it. And watch this. When sinners realize you care, they'll come. But instead of you trying to tell them what they're doing, bring up their history like you ain't got no history and a present. Bring it up the stuff that they do and say, baby, I'm just like you, but I wish you can get the joy that I have. I sin sometimes, but I got joy to keep me going. I mess up sometimes, but I got a savior that still heals me. I fall short sometimes, but I still got the joy of the salvation of the Lord. I'm not trying to say I'm better than you, but I just have Jesus and you need to get him too. And when sinners see that, yes, they're going to know that that church loves me beyond my tight clothes. That church loves me beyond my tattoos. That church loves me behind my saggy pants and my white t-shirt and my wife beat on. That church still cares about me. Time out for trying to make our own names. Trying to make churches, franchising churches, and you ain't trying to get nobody saved. Building up churches, but not building up people. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with building up structures and not building up an infrastructure in people. I have a problem with that. And before I told my administrator, before I build any type of church, I'm going to have healthy people going into it. We will pack this place up like sardines before I build a church with unhealthy people. And that's what God is saying. We need to proclaim this, that Jesus reigns. He rules. And he's the Lord of all. You know one of my favorite scriptures, 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. It says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves. We're talking about the match. Seek my face and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. He says, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now watch this. Keep that up. Keep that up there. You know, every time, if you read the Bible right, every time you read a scripture, you'll get something different out of it. Now remember a while back when we read this and I said the my people was us and all that stuff. But watch, watch this. Right here is talking about our sin. See, and what Jesus wants us to know the reason why you can't win them is because you're dealing with their sins and not your own. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in the Bible. I told you we will be blessed because we will know this word. God says, in order for you to win this land, now there's another thing in there I want to show you. He says, you do with all that stuff, he says, and then we're going to deal with your sin. And then after you do all this and we deal with your sin, he says, then I'll heal your land. Watch this. Some of y'all still waiting on what you're talking about. The land is ours. That just woo, went over there. I said, the land. He says, I'll heal, heal their land. God gave us the deeds to the New Orleans, to the city of New Orleans. 
This city is already ours because he says, if I can get you to live right, I'll deliver your city. This city is not for the heathens. This city is not for the crack dealers. This city is not for the prostitutes. This city, this city is not for them. This city is our city. And if this city gets in the hands of the rightful owners, guess who make the rules? No, we don't want a man unless he's saved for real, for real. We don't want the chief of police unless we know he go to church. We don't want, I love Matt Nagin, but we don't want Matt Nagin getting up here talking about all praises to all the gods. You know how you do. Praise to the Lord, praise to the God, or this one, the God. No, 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 I don't need no man like that. I need a man that will praise our God. That's why I can fight real good. I don't care who get mad. And that's what God is saying. God is calling for a people that will cry out. Look at, your, look at your neighbor and say, this land belongs to us. Come on, let's make it personal. Say, the city of New Orleans is our city. Oh, some of y'all act like y'all don't want it to be yours. Go to California, go to Idaho, go to Dallas, go to Houston. Look at your neighbor and say, this city is our city. And if you don't love it, Baton Rouge is 80 miles over there. Slidell is that way. And Mandeville is over there. But if you're going to live in this city, you might as well take ownership of it. So we got the prescription of the fire. Let the church say the prescription of the fire. Now we have the power of the fire. The power. Power of the fire. The prescription. Man, I'm happy preaching this. And the power of the fire. Verse 2 says this. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now watch this. So often, can I teach you for 10 more minutes? So often, we focus on tongues. All we want to speak in tongues. The evidence of speaking in the evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues. Just speaking in tongues. Sounding like a fool. And we focus more on speaking in tongues rather than using the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the dominion over the land. Watch this. Oh, I'm going to teach this little part here because this is going to be good. The power is not in the tongues. The power is in the Holy Spirit. It makes no sense for you to speak in tongues and then speak curse words when you're finished. It makes no sense to be talking about la 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 this and ba 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 this and then you talking about if you cuss this and she ugly she this. It makes no sense to have blessings and cursings coming out of the same mouth. So keep your tongues and get the Holy Ghost. Because before the Holy Ghost gives you any type of gifts, it gives you character first. The Holy Ghost ain't going to give your tongues uh, faith and, and prophecy if it don't give you long suffering love and all that stuff first. The Bible says you can want all these gifts, but the greatest gift is love. If you can't speak to your neighbor, you need to keep that fake tongues away from me because it ain't real. You're mimicking somebody that you heard. And watch this. These people, I'm about to teach this real good. These people literally spoke in other languages. What we hear in church, Bruce, is not Pentecost. That's not no language. La, 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 da, da, da. You can say a couple calls and sound like them. Yeah. 
Honda, Mitsubishi. It sounds just like tongue. The tongues is not vain babbling. Tongues is not, and I got Bible to back this up. When you hear preachers preaching tongues, speaking tongues, and it's the same thing over and over, it sounds the same. Oh, that ain't real. That's fake. Because the tongues is a language. It's an actual language from another country. And watch this. I got evidence. I got evidence. Watch this. Verse 5 says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Which meant that God, there was one group of people, Galileans, that was supposed to speak the same language. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were able to speak the language of everybody that was in the audience. Watch this. Now watch it. Watch it. All the nationalities represented, and you saw we named them when we first read it, recognize their own language being spoken. Let me give you a, a, a good example. That's like, that's like me getting up here, and I had about four of us. And we had Koreans, Africans, you know, their main language is Swahili and, and, and English. And, and we had um, 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 some French people, some German people. And none of us had no training in those languages. But there was a language barrier. There was something stopping us from communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. But their hearts were open, and they came with the mind to worship. And then the four of us got on one accord, and Sister and Minister Tracy began to speak in Korean language. And then I began to speak in a German language. And then Minister Nichols began to speak French, and, and you began to speak Swahili. And that's what the tongues was about. Watch it. It positioned us to be able to communicate with people. Wasn't about, it wasn't trying to look holy. We use that gift to look holy. And we know what we do. We'll get into a service, and when we feel hard, we feel like we feel we get an emotional fix. You know. No, I'm telling you what church has become. It's become a performance of holy fakers. And we get in church and we talk about the whole week. Don't you feel that? La 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 bullshit. And I'm like, what are you doing? That ain't profiting nobody, nothing in here. Unless you get somebody to interpret that garbage you say. I'm in the Bible, man. If I die for anything, if people leave my church, it will be for the Bible. The people were amazed and saw the presence and power of God. They're like, now I know. That's a Galilean. High in the world. I know. Now I know Jesse ain't got no training in that language. I know Peter ain't come from that kind of place. How in the world am I able to understand it? And then and, and check this out. Check this out. I'm almost done. Check this out. It says that the miracle, watch it, this miracle, speaking in tongues, was the church's ability to communicate beyond the upper room to the world. That's supposed to be two. It, watch this. The, the, the blessing was and the miracle was they were finally able to communicate with the world. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that there has been a language barrier between the church and the world. 
For some strange reason, we couldn't get our no good cousins to come to church. For some strange reasons, our uncles wouldn't trust the pastor. For some strange reason, people just didn't want to have respect for the church, didn't want to hear the church. And God is saying just as he did on the day of Pentecost. He's about to break the language barrier. Forget trying to speak in tongues to be holy. But he's about to set a line of communication that now the world will see preachers with integrity. Now the world will see members doing right instead of doing wrong. And now we will have a compassion for dying souls and we will be able to open up a new communication in line. So do you want to know what the day of Pentecost was all about? You want to know why God told me strike the match? He told me strike the match so we can begin to communicate with the dying world. And that's the problem. How we can have major pastors in this city and still have 66,000 people not saved. That's a, that's a fact. And it's no shot at them. I love them all. But it's time out for just being satisfied with who you have in your church. And the day of Pentecost came, Tosh, they began to speak in tongues. Man said, you're a Galilean. How can we understand you? And that's what I'm saying today. God is saying, when we beseech the power of the Holy Ghost into the church, we will then be able to communicate with the unsaved. I said, when we beseech the power, back in the day, y'all remember them old, the old churches? They would call for the power all night. We Baptist folk, if we in church an hour and 20 minutes, we too long. But they would call for the power of the Holy Ghost all night. Them mothers would make you kneel at your knees right here until they felt you got it. And if you ain't get it, you had to stay there all night until they felt you got it. And that's the problem with us. We've been too quick, church. We've been too microwave now. And we don't call for the power of God. Time out for calling for money lines. Time out for calling that other foolishness. We need to call the power of God. And when the power of the Holy Ghost hits the church, then we will be empowered to win this city. I don't know about you. I'm going to strike a match in this place. I'm going to strike a match in this place. And the reason why I'm going to strike this match is because I have a passion for the lost. So the miracle was the church, the church's ability to, to communicate beyond the upper room to the world. That's the church's problem. So busy churching ourselves to death. Not searching for lost souls. I'm so grateful. I look at what Pastor Berrier is doing. And I'm going to try my best to get over there. His 21 days of glory. I am so grateful that there are still pastors that are not satisfied with just Sunday and Bible study. Mama, you know there was a time where vacation Bible school would be good. BTU and prayer service and Sunday school. But we've gotten too contemporary. And as we stopped Sunday school and vacation Bible school and BTU, crime didn't go up. And you know what? We're not complaining about crime. We're complaining about the gas going up. Shows you our priority. And ain't, nobody, ain't nobody protesting about the crime. But we showing up protesting. We ain't a part of this and a part of that. We're the gas. You know, what you talking about? Gas been going up since gas came out. Ain't nothing new. You think gas was going to stay 89 cents? Yeah, gas going to keep going up, baby. It's going to be 10 before you know it. It ain't going to stop going up. 
if cars are getting more expensive, you know what to put in it going to get more expensive. But how many of us are protesting about the dying souls in this city? Tonight is the night out against crime. How many people are out praying and protesting? How many people are looking at the drug corners and taking 30 church members and standing there and saying, I sell it in front of us? And that's what God is calling for. Tell my ministers all the time, we're trying to be deep, but we're not being relevant. And watch this, tongues, tarot was not a deep gift. It was a relevant gift. Yeah, but in church now, it's a deep gift. Yeah, it's a deep gift. You ain't filled unless you're speaking it. You ain't, you know, I had a preacher tell me, I had a preacher tell me that people were talking and saying that I wasn't really a, a, a called preacher because I don't speak in tongues. I said, well, I do speak in tongues. I just don't do it in front of y'all because I, I do it the right way. If I speak in it, I'll interpret it. And there's people that have seen me do it, and I interpret it. I don't just speak in tongues because it's deep. And when I speak in it, it's a language, and it's given by God. I can't just start speaking in it. Just speak in your language. You can't do that. You can't. You can't no preacher can just tell you to start speaking in your heavenly language. That got to be given by the Spirit of God. That is the devil. Oh, how you going to tell me when to start my heavenly language when it's given by God? the heck you gonna tell me that and see now that gift has been so messed up that we think the preacher is deep because he can speak in tongues we think the evangelist is powerful because she can speak in tongues no tongues bring relevance to the church watch this ever since hurricane katrina there was an influx of mexicans and spanish people the gift of tongues will cause one of my ministers or myself to speak in that language. I don't believe that. We're talking about the Bible. Because remember, Minister Robinson, we were trying to buy interpreting machines where I would speak and a machine would interpret for them. Interpret for them. And, and I was like, well, God, if we're going to be a new age church, it don't, I don't mind getting the machines. But can you show your people what real tongues is all about? Can somebody just begin to speak in Spanish that's never been trained? That's what tongues is about. It will cause the good news to be able to be interpreted. Yeah, they thank you. That's proof that you got it. Ain't proof because you can la 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 la. No, you can roll your tongue fast. Watch this. Studying the text, you see that the Holy. Am I helping somebody tonight? You see that the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak languages that will communicate God's love and the good news of Jesus Christ. To all mankind. Let the church say all mankind. So our desire should not be to be deep. Our desire should not just be to have church all month. Our desire is not to just come here to shout, dance, and leave out of here. And we got it, but yet our city is still in, in shambles. But our desire is to have some fire igniters that would strike a match that would cause a fire to hit this city. And I'm going to ask you right now to ask your neighbor one question. Just ask your neighbor, neighbor, will you like the match? Oh, yeah. Now, wait on their response. 
Because if they love this city, they wouldn't mind burning for Jesus Christ. If they love this city, they wouldn't mind striking a match to destroy everything that's not like God. And I believe there's somebody in here tonight that really came with the mindset to win this city. I don't know about you, but I love New Orleans too much to let the devil take it. I love our city too much to let drugs take it. I love our city too much to let the devil come in and destroy our homes. Time out for us watching the news and seeing boys get shot on the corner. Time out for us watching the news and seeing kids go to drugs. But is there anybody here that you know that God gave us this city? The Bible says that we are royal priesthood and we're a chosen generation. And you know what that means? That every corner that has a drug dealer on it, that's your corner to claim for Jesus Christ and time out for church as usual. I know there's somebody in here tonight when you look at the news and you see the crime rate going up, but yet and still, we're still having church as usual. And you look at the news and they're talking about everything that's happening in our city. But is there anybody here when you watch the news, you can look in the mirror and you can say to yourself, if no other police is hired, I will win this city. If no other man can do it, I will win this city. And I'm so sick and tired of, of church folk coming to church, shouting for a new car, shouting for a big house, shouting for fancy clothes, and shouting because you got your little nappy head husband. But I'm so glad that Jesus gave me a desire to win the lost at any cost. Is there anybody here who's willing to start a fire for the kingdom? Is there anybody here willing to start a fire to burn up sin, to burn up the crack house, to burn up the heroin addiction, to burn up the prostitutes, to burn up every undercover brothel? Is there anybody here who's willing to fight for your city? Time out for fighting for people that don't care about this city. But I'm going to stand when every preacher scared to preach this Bible. I'm going to stand when they still preaching about money. Jesus Christ will stand when they still riding in their fancy cars. Is there anybody here who's crazy about the name Jesus? You can keep your money line, but give me Jesus. You can keep your money line, but give me Jesus. And I'm so glad that Jesus died and he gave me power to win the loss. So come here, drug dealer. Get on to this altar. Come here, prostitute. Give your life to Jesus. And I speak as a prophet of the Most High God that souls will come from the north, south, east, and west. And I'm so glad that God gave me power to speak life to a dead city. I'm so glad he gave me the guts to stay and not run from a hurricane. Is there anybody here you're willing to fight when all the other winners quit on you? I'm so glad that Jesus made me love New Orleans. I'm so glad that if I was born in a city, I ought to fight for my city. If we could send soldiers to Iraq for a stupid cause to kill their lives behind a dummy named George Bush, I'm so glad that I can fight a battle right in this city 
because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds and the win enemy is not in Osama bin Laden the enemy is not in Saddam Hussein but the enemy's name is Satan and is there anybody here you know Satan has taken our streets Satan has taken our school systems Satan has taken our children but I'm here to tell that no good devil we are about to take everything that the devil stole from us clap your hand and say yes Lord clap your hand and say yes Lord I'm so glad that I'm gonna win this city I want everybody to look that way everybody turn around and look towards the west and tell the west every soul you got to come forward in the name of Jesus can I go higher is there anybody here who want to give God the praise for the souls that's going to come now turn around this way to the east and call for the souls from the east to come out from drug addiction to come out from homosexuality 